What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Big Ten Football Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Guggenheim. Part six of our seven-part series in best case, worst case. We're going to be doing the Iowa Hawkeyes and the Michigan Wolverines. Make sure to like and follow us. Leave a review wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want to send an email... Big Ten Football Talk at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram so you know what's coming down the pike. Before we get into Iowa and Michigan, I do want to start with an addendum to my Penn State best case, worst case. As I was thinking about it, and you know, sports, it's, it's, you change your mind sometimes. And so as I was reflecting a little bit, There are a couple things that I was thinking about. The first was that I I still am not completely sold that their defensive back seven is going to be great. But I I mentioned that their front seven uh, and their their defensive line might take a step back. After dialoguing with a few Penn State fans, I, I actually want to concede that point. I think actually their defensive line might even be better, even without Ebikati. So... That was one thought. Another thought that someone brought up is that while some Penn State fans expect Drew Allar to just kind of come in and win the job, most don't. Most assume that Christian Valu is going to be the second stringer. So that information is is more extraneous, I think. But I just realized after the podcast, I'm like, I think I was a little off on this. Here's the bigger thing that I want to talk about with Penn State is I do think they can get to the Big Ten Championship game, and I do think they can win it in the best case. I'm not projecting that, but I think it's reasonable as as I've thought about it because I thought, you know, they could go 10-2, and and Ohio State could beat them, but Ohio State could lose two in the Big Ten. We'll get to that because I'm not sold on the Buckeyes this year. But I digress. Ohio State could lose two. Penn State would be 8-1 and one in the Big Ten. They go to the Big Ten Championship game. And quite honestly, even though I'm, I'm fairly high on Wisconsin, they can beat every team in the West. Reasonably, they can beat every team in the West. There's no team in the West that's unbeatable for Penn State. So that's my concession. Now I'm going to get to the West, to Phil Steele's number two team in the West, the Iowa Hawkeyes. I was very high on them last year, and I picked Ohio State-Iowa to be the Big Ten Championship game. I was wrong on one of those teams, and I really thought the team I was more likely to be wrong on was Iowa. Go figure, I was wrong on Ohio State instead. But Iowa got there, and they started hot. Uh, they, They had a really, really good defense, and they returned most of their defense. So the the issue becomes, why am I not high on them this year? And there's a few reasons. Now, one, I will say this. The majority of their front seven is coming back. Van Valkenburg is the only, I think, the only defender not coming back. So that, that's, that makes it difficult. Um. Or that that makes that's an advantage for them. Sorry, it doesn't make it difficult. That's that's going to be an advantage for them. But aside from Riley Moss, they have a lot of youth in that secondary. They're going to be starting most likely a true freshman in Xavier Nwampa. He's supposed to be phenomenal. 
like legit, I think top 50 recruit in the country. So he's, he's a, he's going to be a stud, but it's a lot of youth in that back seven. You know, Phil Steele still has them ranked pretty high as a secondary, but here's where I, I start to get a little concerned and it's, it's the offense. I am very, very concerned that this offense is going to take a major step back. Now, Phil Steele thinks that their offensive line might actually improve. I disagree with that. They they lose the anchor of that line, Tyler Linderbaum. He, I thought he was one of the best offensive linemen in the country last year, probably the best center in the country. They they lose him, and they they lose their running back, Tyler Goodson, who he was great both as a running back but also out of the backfield. And they 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 bring back two of their receivers. They bring back Sam Laporta, who I think is really, really good. Uh, you know, Iowa only produces top five tight ends, right, or top first-round tight ends. So there, there's a lot to like, but there's also a lot of question marks on that offense, particularly where you want you want – Iowa to be strong in, which is offensive line and running back. And that leads me to my biggest, biggest question mark, which is Spencer Petrus. Petrus is, he's, people will say he's terrible. He's not terrible, but he's not great. In eight starts last year, he had 1,569 yards Nine touchdowns and five interceptions. 57% completion percentage. So, like, okay. Like, for a Big Ten quarterback in the Big Ten West, he's he's good enough to win you the West. He proved that last year. My question is, is he good enough to win the West with the following things? A much tougher schedule. And also... uh, a different running back and probably a weaker offensive line and a defense that even with the secondary being talented is probably going to give up more big plays. So that's, as I'm thinking about this, that's what I'm thinking about this with this West, uh, worst case, best case. So we're going to, we're going to start. Um, their first game is South Dakota state. I think they win that regardless. But we're going to start with the worst case. We're going to start with the worst case. They get Iowa State. They get them at home. And I think everybody probably thinks, oh, it's Iowa State. They lost Brock Purdy, their their four-year starter at quarterback. They lost Brees Hall. So they're going to really struggle. Matt Campbell thinks that their incoming guy, Matt Campbell's the, the head coach of the Iowa State Cyclones, their, their incoming starter at quarterback uh, has really good, if not elite, traits. Now, I'm I'm not going to just sit here and say that traits will win you ball games, but I don't think Iowa has enough necessarily just to blow Iowa State. Remember last year, you know, Iowa really won because Iowa State shot itself in the foot, which is how Iowa won a lot of games last year. And you know what happens when that's your strategy to win? At some point, the law of averages goes against you. So Iowa State doesn't turn the ball over. They win that game like 17 to 12 because it's Iowa State, Iowa. And then you get Nevada. 
And Nevada, man, when I first saw Nevada on the schedule, I was like, oh, they're going to they're gonna beat Nevada regardless. But I'll concede that. I, I, I forget how good Nevada is, if I'm honest. And, oh, yeah, they'll win that game. They'll win that game. Um, regardless. So two and one, they go to Rutgers, and I think Rutgers can get them. I think, again, Iowa is not – they don't have a bell cow. They don't have someone they can totally go to. Maybe Sam Laporta, but even then, Petrus is not – he's not the best quarterback. Shiano can dial some stuff up, and they get upset. And they're two and two with Michigan – Coming to town, that's two and three. Then they go to Illinois. And I think Illinois, the way Brett Bielema is building that team, I think they could lose that game too. So I, in their worst case scenario, I have them two and four going into the bye. And before Iowa fans jump on me and say, well, but they're good enough to win at least one of those games, in the even in the worst case, my issue with Iowa is that even when they have good offensive players, they win every game by like six, except for Indiana, which they turn the ball over like a bajillion times. But I just, I, I don't think Iowa has the juice that they had last year. That's just, that's just how I see it. So two and four by week at Ohio State, two and five. I, I think they get Northwestern. So three in, in, in the worst case, three and five at Purdue. I, I, I don't. I think Kirk Ferentz is too good to go, you know, two and eight. So I, I think even in the worst case scenario, they get Northwestern, and they get Purdue. Even though Purdue, I think, is going to be pretty good. So that puts them at four and five. They get Wisconsin. They get drilled. Go to Minnesota and get drilled. And go to Nebraska with the opportunity to beat them and get Scott Frost fired. And they can't do it because they just don't have the offensive production. And they, they go 4-8. I think there's a real, real shot that we see Iowa not make a bowl this year. I, I put their worst case scenario at a far higher percentage than their best case scenario. But just to give Hawkeye fans hope, let's let's go through the best case. South Dakota State win. Iowa State, they force some turnovers with the young quarterback. He's not ready for the, the big-time spotlight, the big-time rivalry game in Iowa. And so they get to 2-0. They beat Nevada, 3-0. They beat Rutgers, 4-0. And then crazy things happen in Kinnick. They do. Crazy things happen in Kinnick. Michigan loses. Iowa gets revenge. And they beat Illinois to, to be 6-0 and and ranked in the top eight going into their game at Ohio State. And they get Ohio State, and they play their butts off. But Ohio State, even though they, they struggle, they, uh, C.J. Stroud gets picked off a couple times, they grit out. Ohio State grits out a win. They win by seven, uh, which is really respectable. 
Iowa drops to like 12 in the country. They play Northwestern. They beat Northwestern. They go to Purdue. They have a stretch of at Purdue, Wisconsin, at Minnesota, and Nebraska. I don't think they can win all four of those games, even in the best case. So I'm going to say they go 9-3 and three overall. I think they go 2-2 two and two in those final four. Just think, it's a tough, that's a tough road. You go, granted, they get Wisconsin at home, they get Nebraska at home. I just don't think, I think, and we saw this last year, once teams figure out Iowa to an extent, they figure out how to how to win. So even just to, to compare this, you look at their game-by-game stats, or if you look at their schedule, the first five games, they win by 28, they win by 10, they win by 23, they win by 10, they win by 37, and that was Indiana, Iowa State, Kent State, Colorado State, Maryland. Only two of those teams were, uh, were bowl eligible. And Maryland just gave them like a bajillion turnovers. And Demas got hurt in that game, so there's, there's more to that game. Then they get to Penn State, and it took them knocking out Sean Clifford, and then having no capable backup to win by three at home. They play Purdue. They lose to Purdue by 17. They lost to Wisconsin by 20. They beat a really bad Northwestern team by five. They beat Minnesota by five. They beat Illinois by 10. They beat Nebraska by seven. So notice the trend. A lot of close wins after getting blown out twice. And then they get crushed by Michigan, and they lose to Kentucky. And so after going 6-0, they went 4-3. and And their schedule was not that hard last year. Like it really was not that hard. They got Maryland, Penn State, and uh, Michigan. No, Michigan wasn't their crossover. Indiana. Those were arguably two of the three, you know, three of the bottom four. In the East, and now you've got you've got to deal with Michigan and Ohio State and Rutgers, and so I just I I I just don't think they can get to nine and th- I think nine and three is their ceiling this year. Between the momentum, everybody is assuming that Iowa is going to be good this year. That's also a mark against them because they always do better when no one sees them coming. Like it really helped them last year that Indiana was the team that came that had all the hype. And then Indiana got flattened. And then it came in, you know, Iowa State came in with a lot of hype. And then they got flattened. So I, I just think Iowa is a known commodity. Everyone's expecting them to be the main competitor to Wisconsin in the West. I don't see it that way. I think Iowa's gonna really struggle. So that's, but that's my best case and worst case. I've got best case nine and three, not making the Big Ten championship game. And they, they get to a, a, a decent, like maybe a Citrus Bowl or an Outback Bowl and probably get beat by an SEC team it, it, in the best case scenario. So nine and four. Let me take a quick break and then we will come back with the Michigan Wolverines. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, 
It's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome back to the Big Ten Football Talk podcast. Michigan. The playoff contending reigning Big Ten champion Michigan Wolverine. That just sounds awful to say. Oh, my gosh. Okay, sorry. I'm taking my Ohio State hat off now. Um, now that I've thrown up a little bit in my mouth. I mean, I'm sorry. Hi, Michigan fans. How are you? In all seriousness, in all seriousness, Michigan has a legitimate shot, not just to get to the playoff, but to win a national championship. And I hate that I'm saying that. And I'm going to talk about that in the best case. But before I before I kind of get into worst case, best case with Michigan, there's a lot going for Michigan. One is that the schedule, honestly, is kind of easy. They get Colorado State, Hawaii, and Connecticut in the non-conference. I mean, that's just, I mean, it's it's a joke. It's really a joke. They get Maryland. Maryland's not. I think Maryland's going to be tricky this year. They go to Iowa, which I talked about in the earlier segment. Iowa, Iowa, going to Iowa is not fun. It's not. But then they go to Indiana. That's not going to be that hard. They get Penn State at home. That's, I mean, that's a benefit to them. Then they get a bye. They get Michigan State at home, and it's a revenge game. They go to Rutgers. They get Nebraska, Illinois at home. They're really their only tough road game. Their only two tough road games are Iowa and Ohio State. Their West crossovers, aside from Iowa, are are not that challenging, unless if Nebraska just stuns everybody. Um, so and, and their non conference game schedule is not that hard. And so when looking at their potential. Part of it is based on schedule. Part of it is based on roster. Now, I think, and and when I say roster, a lot of people say, well, but they lost so much on defense. One, I they, they didn't lose as much as Penn State did. Although, to be fair, lo- losing Aiden Hutchinson, David Ajabo, uh, Chris Hinton, Dax Hill, Josh Ross, those are big losses on the defense. But they have time. They have time to gel. Like, they they have till September 24th to get right. So they've got three games to kind of figure it out. The other thing is that I think they're going to have an offense that's pretty good based on one very key thing. And it may be the thing that Michigan fans don't want me to say, but I think for the best, absolute best case scenario, J.J. McCarthy has to beat out Cade McNamara. He doesn't necessarily have to beat him out in week one, but I think he needs to beat him out by week five. Because J.J. McCarthy can do things that Cade McNamara cannot. McCarthy has the potential to be an NFL-level player. McNamara does not. They also return Ronnie Bell, who comes back from injury. They have two really good tight ends in Schoonmaker and Eric All. 
They have a really, really talented offensive line with three starters coming back and a transfer from Virginia, Aluatami, uh, uh, Aluatimi, Alusigan Aluatimi. That is a name, friends. He transferred from Virginia, and they have the best returning kicker in college football in Jake Moody. So, and, and that's not to that's that's not mentioning the fact that I think Donovan Edwards might be the second best running back or this at least the second most talented running back in the league behind Travion Henderson. I know Braylon Braylon Allen is also a stud at Wisconsin, but Donovan Edwards can do things that not a lot of other backs can. So I I just have a lot I I think the offense has the potential to be really 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 good. That being said, let's let's talk let's talk worst case. What would get Michigan their worst case scenario? Well, I, I think part of it is there is there might be some cohesion issues with the the coaching shakeup. Um Gaddis is gone, their defensive coordinator is gone, and they, they bring in new new coaches there. So that's you know, that could be an issue. Obviously the defense, they only return four starters on defense. So that could be an issue. So here's here's what I'm thinking where I'm going with this. We're going to say Cade McNamara because Jim Harbaugh honors his seniors or and or, or honors his his older players. Cade McNamara is only a sophomore, but he he want he honors his uh he honors his veterans. So Cade McNamara is the starter, and there's never a question. There's never a question about it. Um, Colorado State, Hawaii, Connecticut—they win all three, but all th- in all three games, there are some concerns, like some wide open running lanes because the defensive line is missing assignments. The offense kind of looks staggered because Gaddis isn't calling the offense anymore. They're they're just struggling a little bit. And they play Maryland at homecoming. And Maryland comes in and they push Michigan to the limit. But at the end of the day, Michigan can run, run, run. And they're able to get enough stops to beat Maryland. And they're 4-0. Even in the worst case, they're 4-0. They go to Iowa. Crazy things happen at Iowa. They lose. Four and one. At Indiana, they get a bit of a fight, but Michigan pulls away. Too much running game. Too much Blake Corum. Too much Donovan Edwards. They get Penn State, and Penn State is playing inspired, revenge football, and they get the upset because Penn State's receivers are able, they have time to to get downfield because as mediocre as Penn State's offensive line is, the defensive line for Michigan ain't what it used to be. And Clifford throws for a few touchdowns. Penn State wins by 10. They are 5-2. and two. By week, Michigan State, Peyton Thorne does a Peyton Thorne special, and they drop to 5-3. and three. At Rutgers is a win. Six and three. Nebraska 
I think puts up a really good fight, but ultimately Michigan uh, is able to put them away. Seven and three, Illinois. Eight and three at Ohio State. Oh, I love saying this. Ohio State destroys them by like a hundred and fifty. The scoreboard can't contain the score. Oh, sorry, reasonable, reasonable. Sorry, reasonable. Uh, Ohio State wins by four by four touchdowns because their defense kind of reverts a little bit back to the Don Brown. Sorry, Don Brown defense. Sorry, I just I just had to go there for a minute. Um, I'll get to my best case later and I'll get revenge on myself, I guess, for the Michigan faithful. Um, but so they're, they're, they're eight and four and they get to a bowl game where they get beat by an SEC team in a, um, a mid-level, uh, New Year's Day bowl, Outback Bowl, something like that. That's their, I think that's their worst case scenario because they never get things gel, gelling together with the new coaches you know, they're they're feeling themselves a little bit from last year. You know, we beat Ohio State. We don't know anything except except beating Ohio State. We were in the playoff last year. And so they're they're just a little high on life. They don't know how to, ha- how to handle the success. That's the worst case scenario. Best case scenario. They run all the way to their bye week at 7-0 without much question. J.J. McCarthy and Cade McNamara are trading off for the first few games. In the Maryland game, they need someone to win a shootout. And so they turn to McCarthy, and he delivers big time. Ronnie Bell really steps up. Andrew Anthony steps up. The tight ends really step up. Donovan Edwards. And that game becomes kind of the the statement game for this new order in Michigan football. J.J. McCarthy, Donovan Edwards, Ronnie Bell become kind of a trio to mirror Ohio State's trio of C.J. Stroud, Travion Henderson, and Jackson Smith and Jigba. And so they go into Iowa, and they just demolish Iowa again like they did a year ago. Demolish Indiana. They get to Penn State. And Penn State just cannot stop the run. They just cannot stop the run game. In the play-action game, Michigan wins by by 17. And they are ranked in the top four of the college football playoff, right with Ohio State, who's maybe number two or number one in the country at that point. They beat Michigan State. They blow them out by 21 because they don't have Kenneth Walker. And Michigan has Donovan Edwards at Rutgers. Destroy them. Nebraska, destroy... Uh, Nebraska, they struggle a little bit. Gives them a little bit of a wake-up call. But they're 10-0. They're ranked third in the country. It's Alabama, Ohio State, and Michigan. Illinois, they win. And at Ohio State, they prove that Ohio State has not fixed the defensive issues that they said they were going to fix. And they beat them by 17 and they get their first one in Columbus. And Ryan Day is now firmly on the hot seat in Ohio in Columbus. Michigan goes to the Big 10 Championship game to face Wisconsin and they crush Wisconsin. 13 and 0, ranked second in the in the nation and they're in the playoff. And the playoff is Alabama 1, Michigan 2, uh 
USC 3 and Clemson 4. I, I think it could be a different thing, but it's important in the, be- in the best case scenario that Clemson is 4. Because in this scenario, DJ Uyunglele gets it together. And this is the way that Michigan wins a national championship. Uyunglele is able to uh, be good enough, and the defensive line for Clemson is good enough that they beat Alabama in the, in the semifinal. Michigan beats USC easily in the... Uh, in the 2-3 game. And so it's Clemson-Michigan in the championship game. And I think Michigan... Michigan, I don't think, can beat Alabama with a 12-day layoff. They can beat Clemson. That, that, there's actually a lot of teams. It, it, could have, it could be other teams. But I think Clemson might have unique ability to beat Alabama. Whereas I don't think Michigan... Or I, I don't think any of the other teams like USC or Notre Dame... Can beat Michigan or it can beat Alabama. So, but I, I do think in the best case, Michigan gets an assist. They get into the national championship game and they win it all. I think it's very. I I think it's possible. I I'm not saying that's going to happen. I definitely don't want it to happen. But I I do think this this roster and this schedule, the way it breaks down could get Michigan a national championship. I, I don't think it's going to happen. That's not where my projection is. Uh, but I, I, do, I do like Michigan a lot. I, as a team and as a, as a competitive football team, not as, as in I like them. I don't, I don't like them. <sighs> I need to wash out my mouth with soap. Ugh. Anyway, this has been the Big Ten Football Talk podcast. I will be back next Tuesday to talk about Ohio State and Wisconsin. Thank you, Lord, that I can talk about Ohio State next time instead of the team up north. Um, to all you who are Michigan fans, I hope you realize that, that a lot of my Michigan banter is all in good fun. Um, but this has been the Big Ten Football Talk podcast. Make sure, again, to follow us, to like us on social media, leave a review, send me emails, and we will be back next week. Take care. God bless.